You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 66. If you are listening to this on Apple iTunes, I would so love it if you would take a minute and rate, review, and subscribe. Written reviews count for so much on Apple. So if you could do that for me, that would be terrific. Thanks. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. Hi, and welcome back. This is a milestone. I'm getting a podcast out approximately two weeks after the last. This may not seem like a huge feat, but I have found it so hard to sit down and write since the accident. So often I am distracted when I sit with just quiet and a screen. I have a hard time looking inside to find the wisdom that came so easily in the past. It is a struggle sitting and not doing anything. And you know what? This is part of grief. This is part of the road I have to walk. I am thinking about how many of you probably have some grief from your journey. Grief can come to us anytime we lose the life we thought we had. Many of you listening have lost the life you thought you had when you were diagnosed with cancer. You lost the life where you were sure you were healthy and didn't need to worry about a life-threatening disease. I lost the life I knew when we lost Miles and then my mom. So let's talk today about grief, what it means, why we need to feel it, and some of the things I'm learning about navigating it. But first, if you are experiencing grief and are a danger to yourself or others, I implore you, reach out for help. Some available helplines in the U.S., the Crisis Call Center at 775-784-8090. In the UK, the Cruise Bereavement Care at 0808-808-1677. In Australia, the Grief Line at 03-9935-7400. This podcast is intended to help you if you are emotionally stable, to be able to work on your thoughts and feelings, and it should not replace appropriate medical care. So what is grief? An online dictionary describes it as deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. Synonyms include misery, sadness, anguish, pain, agony, torment, affliction, suffering, heartbreak, brokenheartedness, woe, desolation, despondency, lament, dejection, despair, angst, mourning, pining, bereavement, and the list went on. Who knew there were so many words describing this? The Mayo Clinic says this about grief. Grief is a strong, sometimes overwhelming emotion for people, regardless of whether their sadness stems from the loss of a loved one or from a diagnosis they or someone they love has received. They might find themselves feeling numb and removed from daily life, unable to carry on with regular duties while saddled with their sense of loss. Grief is a natural reaction to loss. Grief is both universal and a personal experience. 
individual experiences of grief vary and are influenced by the nature of the loss. So if this is a universal experience, why do we seem so ill-equipped to deal with it in the U.S.? Today, I'm going to share some of what I've learned in this process in hopes that it will help you in understanding and moving through the very normal grief you may feel at losing the life you thought you had. First are the three ends of grief. This is important. Grief is a normal part of how people respond to a significant personal loss. Grief is natural. We can't avoid it. It is built into us as humans. We are created to grieve just as we are created to love. Finally, grief is necessary. It provides a healthy way to cope with loss. Trying to ignore or avoid grief doesn't work. It will only make it last longer and often intensify the pain. The first thing I would tell you is you don't need anyone's permission to grieve. It is your right as a sentient being. But if you need permission, I give it to you. I invite you to come and grieve with me. I am sharing my journey and thoughts in my Facebook group, Best Life After Cancer MD. The second thing I would tell you, you owe no one an apology for grieving. You don't need to feel ashamed of tears. There is no reason to choke them back or rapidly swipe them away. Let yourself feel what you feel without apology or self-recrimination. As a grieving person, I have decided to grieve in my way when I need to and not apologize to anyone for my tears or lack of a cheerful expression, for walking away from a group for a minute to collect myself, or for needing time and space to grieve. Let me tell you, as a doctor, I am never upset or frustrated when a patient cries. The first thing I do is get the tissues. The second is reach for their hand and just sit. Give them a minute to just grieve. The patient can tell me when they're ready to resume our discussion. I have to say, if you have a doctor that doesn't want you to cry, find another. Your tender soul deserves no less. Okay, so we are agreed that after a loss, whether it is a loved one or a loss of the life you planned, grief is normal, natural, and necessary. Let's dive into grief a bit deeper. So often we hear about the stages of grief, like you'll spend a while in each and then move to the next. From my experience, nothing could be farther from the truth. I often experience all of the stages in a single day. I'll touch more on this in a few minutes, but if you aren't familiar, let me first review for you the stages of grief that are traditionally taught, as I think they do happen, just not in set stages. The initial reaction to loss includes a feeling of shock and disbelief. Learning someone you love is gone, receiving a life-altering diagnosis, finding out about a spouse's infidelity, or even being witness to a catastrophic event creates a numbness and fills a person with doubt. This is a form of emotional protection and can last for weeks. The length of time that is experienced often reflects the suddenness of the death or other change. If a death was on the horizon for months, or if for a long time you knew something was wrong in your body, the shock may be short-lived, but with a sudden unexpected death or a serious diagnosis that comes seemingly out of the blue, this may last for longer. 
It's not uncommon for someone to go through the shock phase throughout the duration of funeral preparations or in the initial visits after receiving their cancer diagnosis. For this reason, I always recommend that patients come with either an extra set of ears or an ability to record the conversation so they can refer back. When we are in this shock phase, we often retain little of what is said or occurs around us. The second stage is denial. Our minds may enter a state of denial to avoid the pain and reality of loss. A person can deny a loved one's passing for weeks or deny a cancer diagnosis for months. People experience denial in other ways as well. For instance, a grieving person may deny that the loss affects them in a serious manner. Denial is a type of self-preservation much like shock. This stage helps shelter us from the eventual pain and ensuing stages of grief. When a patient presents to me in denial that they have cancer or questioning the diagnosis, I understand that this is a normal stage in grieving. There is not something wrong with them. They need time, love, and guidance. As a person begins to feel the full realization of the death or diagnosis, their numbness leads way to extreme emotional pain and suffering. Guilt often accompanies this pain. A person may feel survivor's guilt or a constant sense of what might have been. They may feel remorse over missed opportunities or things they did or didn't do with their loved one before their passing. In terms of cancer patients, it is very common for a patient to wish they had looked into symptoms sooner or blame themselves for their diagnosis. It's important to both experience the full depth of pain when going through grief, but also understand the reality that we don't deserve or create these bad things in our lives. There is no crystal ball you should have been looking into to know what to do to avoid what came. Focusing on what you should have done takes attention away from what you need to do. Be mindful, whether it is a death or a serious diagnosis, that you do not spend so much time in why did this happen that you miss what can I do about this. Masking this stage with alcohol or drugs only makes things worse in the long run. But I will tell you, buffering your feelings at this point is common and also a natural brain response to trying to fill the brain's motivational triad of avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and making life easy. If you are struggling with this, last week's podcast, episode 65, is a must-listen. Next comes bargaining. I think this is our brain trying to get back into shock and denial. It involves wrestling with fate or the powers that be to try and make sense of loss, why it happened in general and to us specifically. In cancer patients, it may show up as prayers. God, if you spare my life, I will do this. If the diagnosis is in a loved family member, it often comes as a cry to the universe. No, take me instead. Again, normal, but again, just like with a death, looking to a higher power to cure your cancer is highly unlikely, and in my opinion, impossible to achieve without appropriate medical care. But let me pause. Does prayer help? 100%. So does manifesting what we want, imagining our optimal outcome, and more. There are things at work in the world that we can't explain and don't understand. And really, we should not underestimate these. 
After this often comes anger. This can be directed in so many places. People going through this phase may lash out at the ones around them as an unwarranted reaction to the feelings of helplessness. One may place undue blame on someone else for the death. In patience, it may be aimed at the doctors that gave you the news or outlined the recommended treatment. It may be at yourself, if I had just fill in the blank. Grief strains the relationships of the living. To preserve these relationships, we must find a way to release these overwhelming emotions in a healthy manner. Failing to do so may permanently damage ties you have with friends, family, or coworkers. After this comes depression. People who have never experienced depression before often have a hard time with this stage. Depression is all-encompassing and consumes your life. For those who have experienced it before, it may be a deeper, darker pit than you have ever found yourself in in the past. Again, remember that depression is a normal and natural stage of grief. After all the energy expelled and mental anguish of the other stages, depression gives you time to reflect and recover. Taking ample time to feel the sadness, loss, loneliness, isolation, and other feelings will make it easier to re-enter the world when you are ready. I want to tell you here, there is no reason to go through a significant depression without the help of a trusted medical provider. One of the first calls I made after my calls to immediate family when Miles was pronounced dead was to my primary. I immediately got something to help me sleep and increased my antidepressant. We are not less because we need help to live our best life. I encourage you not to think this makes you weak, but instead strong and brave for helping yourself through this. When going through depression, I think we need to avoid people who encourage us to snap out of it. For one, you cannot control your emotions that way. You need to let yourself feel the despair and emptiness just as you let yourself feel the other stages. This is a significant period of reflection and recuperation. Then we come to acceptance. As a person adjusts to their new life, either as a cancer survivor or without the person they grieve, the depression and other extreme feelings fade away. I found this list of common signs of acceptance and I thought it was helpful to see what might be ahead of me. Restructuring life without the person or as your new self, cleaning out the loved one's personal items, working on financial and social problems, seeking out old relationships and support systems, beginning new projects or hobbies. Acceptance does not equate to happiness. Rather, acceptance is the stage where a grieving person makes a conscious decision to move on and work towards a feeling of normality again. After a significant loss, after a significant loss, a person rarely feels the way they did before again. Acceptance occurs when a person stops looking towards the past and focuses on the future. I hope that was helpful to understand a bit more about grief in relation to a loss or a significant diagnosis. But what I want to end with is a bit of how my days are. I find that I will have all of these stages through the day, and you may experience something similar. I have moments where I feel intense shock, 
How can Miles really be gone? Is that actually possible? Why am I still here alive when my heart has literally been ripped from my chest? Pain that is so intense, sometimes I feel I can't take a breath. Bargaining. Universe, please, let me have a sign from him today. Let me feel his presence. And also, why? We are good parents. As doctors, we serve others. Why us? Anger. Not one of my regular ones. But why did the car go off the road exactly there? Why didn't the nav system lane correct like it was supposed to? Depression. A well that I sometimes have a hard time seeing the light at the top of. And also acceptance, gratitude, love, self-compassion. Each of these multiple times a day. This is also normal. You are not losing your mind. You are not weak. You are human and you will survive this. I'm happy to help you walk this path if you need it. I'll speak with you again soon. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.